We're going to turn this morning in our Bible to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1 that we read last week. Revelation chapter 1. And we're going to read this morning. We'll read from verse 9. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own infallible and inerrant word. Now, my text this morning is taken from Revelation chapter 1. And verse 14, it reads, His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. And I want to speak today on the theme that I've entitled, The Loveliness of the White-Haired Christ. Remember the Apostle John has been imprisoned and exiled to the Isle of Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's approximately AD 90 or slightly later. There John is inspired to write the book known as the Revelation of St. John the Divine. Now that's not the title. The real title is in Revelation 1 and 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave to him. In other words, the word revelation means unveiling. 
So it's literally the unveiling of Jesus Christ as he is today in heaven. Literally the unveiling of the glorified Christ. And here's John on the Isle of Patmos. And one Lord's Day, that's the first day of the week, the Sabbath day, we read that John was in the Spirit. Literally, he was full of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost came upon him. The Holy Spirit was controlling John. And that day, the Lord Jesus himself came to John. He paid John a visit. And he gave to John a most unusual, a most glorious vision of himself. Here, the Lord Jesus revealed himself to John in a way that John had never seen him before. Now, John's details this important vision. And what John wrote forms the last book in our English Bible. What John saw, he carefully recorded in a book. Every detail, as far as he was concerned, was important. That book is known, of course, as the book of Revelation. And and John tells us he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, And heard behind him a great voice of a a trumpet. John recorded what the voice said. You can read it there in verse 11. Look at verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And when he turned, he saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. And what follows is a most wonderful, glorious division of the Lord Jesus Christ as he is today in heaven. A lovely vision of the master. Here's a a, a portrait of Jesus Christ that no earthly artist could ever paint on canvas. Now think of John. He's been with the Lord Jesus for three and a half years. During all that time, he has walked with Christ. They have talked together. They have ate together. They have sat together. They've worked together. And yet John has never saw him in this way before. This was a new vision, a a greater, more detailed vision than even what John experienced on the Mount of Transfiguration. This was a vision of the risen, glorified, crucified, triumphant Lord Jesus as he is in heaven, King of kings and Lord of lords. So think of John now. It's the Lord's day. And he's full of the Holy Ghost. And I've no doubt he's there worshipping the Lord by himself. And he hears behind him this voice. And he turns to see the voice. And upon being turned, what does he see? Seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. I told you last week that that's a lovely title of Christ. It's used 84 times in the Bible. A title that refers to the mysterious incarnation and the true bodily humanity of the Lord Jesus. A title forever associated with his earthly ministry. And yet even in heaven, he is still the Son of Man. Of course, he's there as the God-man. We, we notice his clothing. The details are highly significant. Garment down to the foot, girt about with a golden girdle. A, a reference to our priestly king who has finished his work. And he's on the throne And he's also on tour to inspect his great spoils of victory, namely the redemption of his church. And then John begins to describe him. Notice what he says here. His head and his hairs were like wool as white as snow, and his eyes as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass as if they ferned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, 
And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Now, here's a sevenfold picture of the risen Christ. A vision of Christ as he is in heaven. Seven things about him. These seven things are unique. They, they stand out. Seven things that John, of course, never forgot. Seven, remember, in biblical numerics is the number of perfection. And notice how John reacted when he saw him, when he beheld him. Verse 17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Maybe we should ask the question, how do you and I react when we see him? Even by faith. But think of that day when we'll see him by sight. Seeing one who is absolutely perfect, one who's intrinsically holy. One who is altogether lovely, as the Shunammite bride told us. You see, John felt all strength drain from him at the sight of Christ. John was lost for words. John was speechless. John was not the same ever again. John dropped like a stone as if he's dead. Whenever the bridegroom was asked, what is thy beloved more than any other beloved when she began to describe him and exhausted her vocabulary as she had talked about him in white hot emotion having been lost for words she cried out yea he is altogether lovely now last week we thought about the beautiful feet of Christ I told you the most beautiful feet in the world and today I want us to think of the loveliness of Christ's white hair See, when I finished preaching last week, I thought of the white-haired Christ. I was speaking to Brother David McCulloch here in conversation at the cup of tea. And then through the week, I met a lovely white-haired man, and we had a tremendous time of fellowship and conversation. And then on the television, in the morning time, there was a discussion about men with white hair. Uh, Philip Schofield uh, stated that he, his hair turned white when he was 16. And then I was down in the barber's shop in Newton Breda, and then came a white-haired man there. And I've been thinking all week of the white-haired Christ, and I just felt all of these little things come together, just confirmed that we should return to Revelation 1. I hadn't planned to, but because the thought was so much in the head, and I've been thinking about it, what does it mean? The loveliness of the white-haired Christ. And that's what I want to leave with you for the next uh, few minutes this morning. You see, the white hair speaks of his eternality. Look with me at verse 14. Look at your book. What does it say? His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. Before John singles out the color, John speaks of his head. His hair. The emphasis is on his. It belongs to him. In other words, it's not a wig. It's not a TP. It's not a transplant. It's not something false. It's not something put on for a show. It's genuinely his. It belongs to him. In other words, it's true of him. It's something that's genuine. It's the real bodily hair of the literal Lord Jesus Christ that is intended here. And of course, John identifies the color. 
And if you look at our text, it mentions the word white thrice. In other words, it's extraordinary white. John uses two similes to describe it, white as wool and white as snow. So I want you to think of the Lord Jesus. This is how John described him as he saw him. In this sevenfold description, he saw him crowned with snow white hair. That's how John described him. That's how he saw the head of Christ. And remember, the head of Christ was familiar to him. He, he had spent three and a half years with the Lord Jesus. And yet John notices something now about the head of Christ that he hadn't seen before. Something that's unique. Something that stands out for John. Something that, that he hadn't seen until now. He's crowned with snowy white hair. See, the Lord Jesus has a natural Genuine crown of lovely white hair in heaven. And the white hair, I believe, speaks of his eternality. Remember, he is from everlasting to everlasting, the only begotten Son of God. He, he is eternally the only begotten Son of God. He, he was one with the Father from the beginning. He isn't crowned with eternality. He is eternal. You see, as I listened to that TV discussion about men with white hair, it was pointed out, well, the longer a man lives, the whiter his hair becomes. But the Lord Jesus was no ordinary man. He's called the Son of Man in this lovely revelation. But he's also the Son of God. I'm well aware that the white hair is a symbol of one who's older in age, one who has lived to a good old age. One of the ancient men amongst us. Now when you compare scripture with scripture, you discover that this was also Daniel's description of Christ. Turn over there to Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9. Daniel says, verse 9 of chapter 7, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. Notice the reference to his hair. And the hair of his head like pure wool. You see, the Ancient of Days is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice that the Ancient of Days did sit. In other words, he had finished his work of judgment. And Daniel tells us that his garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure will. And I believe, of course, this morning that's a reference to the Lord Jesus. The Ancient of Days, the one who was before the world began. In fact, the one who made the world, the one who controlled the world, the one who's called in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, the everlasting Father. And you know what that means? If you look at the margin in your Bible, it means the Father of eternity. And here's a description of what he was and what he was like in eternity. And of course, in the fullness of time, he came into the world, Galatians 4 and 4. 
But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. And when he came into the world, what color was his hair? Well, if you turn over there to Song of Solomon in chapter 5 and look with me at verse 11. Song of Solomon chapter 5 and verse 11. The, the bride tells us in Song of Solomon at chapter 5 and verse 11. She tells us, His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as a raven. Now that's important. And, and we'll come back to that. Here's the Lord Jesus. And the Shunammite tells us that his hair is bushy, black as a raven. In other words, he's gifted with beauty. He's gifted with the symbol of eternal youth. And yet when we see him today as he is in glory, it's white like, well, it's snowy white. And it speaks of eternity. Does the Bible not tell us Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever? See, I believe it speaks of his eternality, of his reign, and rule over the kingdoms of men. Remember he said to the Jews before Abraham was, I am he took upon himself that great incomprehensible name of God, the name that God revealed of himself to Moses at the burning bush, I am that I am. And remember what we read in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 1 and uh, verses 1 through to uh, 3, whenever John uh, was writing his Gospel, the same man in Patmos, um, he, he said this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The Bible tells us unto us a, a child is born, unto us a son is given. See, the Lord Jesus always existed as the everlasting son of the everlasting father. He didn't become the son of God at Bethlehem. The son was already given. The son was sent. Um, he, he was the son of God long before he was born. And that's important because that's connected to the great doctrine of the Trinity. He, he didn't begin to exist even in the beginning of time. He eternally was. He's the father of eternity. He inhabits eternity. He existed before time began, before the creation of the world. He was one with his father, one with the Holy Spirit before the creation of the world. He existed before the sun and the moon and the stars come into being, young people. Before there ever was a blade of grass or, or a flower in the field. Oh, see him today as the father of eternity. And when you think of the snowy white hair of Christ... Well, it's a symbol of that. He's the father of eternity. I want you to think of something else. The white hair speaks of his sagacity. Now, that's a big word. That just means his wisdom. You see, in the ancient world, white hair depicted a wise old man, a man of years, a man of experience, a man gifted, a man with wisdom, discernment, understanding, a man of good, wise judgment. Now, when I looked up the Bible and looked up the references to hoary head, I discovered this in Leviticus 19.32. Let me just read the reference. Thou shall rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. 
In Proverbs 16.31 we read, The hoary head is a crown of glory, if it be found in the way of righteousness. And in Isaiah 64, sorry, 46 and verse 4 we read, And even to your old age I am he, and even to the whore's head will I carry you. I have made, and I will bear, even I will carry, and will deliver you. Now, now think of those references. What's the Bible saying to us? It says to honor the face of an old man. You see, it used to be in the classroom when the teacher came in, you stood up. Why did you stand? As a mark of respect. That's what we used to do in the Whitfield College of the Bible. And you see, it was an indication that we were respecting the teacher. We were honoring, as the Bible says, I shall rise up before the hoary head. We were honoring those that had age before us, those that had wisdom and, and experience. And the Bible tells us we're, we're to listen to wise old men. He has experienced the journey of life before us. He has known and taken the hard knocks. I'm well aware there's many foolish old men, but also there's many fatherly old men. And respect for them is very important. We're to listen to their advice. We're to listen to their counsel. We're to think carefully about how you act and how you speak. Think of Job. Job was a godly man who suffered much. In the providence of God He had lost everything His farm His family were all dead His animals were gone He lost the respect of his wife She said curse God and die He had lost his health Three friends came to visit him Do you know that the three friends Sat for seven days in silence They said nothing So you think of Job sitting With, with boils all covering his body and he's scratching away there and they're sitting there, silence. Not a word, seven days. And then one by one they began to speak. You read about it in the book of Job. They couldn't understand why all this befell Job. And they were accusing Job. They were thinking in themselves and they were saying outwardly now that Job must have secretly sinned against God. And all that has happened to him is really a punishment from God. And um, after they had finished... There was another man who had sat there and he had listened all the time. His name was Elihu. He was the fourth comforter. And you can read about it here in Job 32. There was Eliphaz the termite. There was Bildad the Shuhite. And so far the Namanite. But Elihu waited till everybody had spoken. Do you know why? Because he was a young person. And he looked upon the other men as being older, being elder men. In fact, he says in verse 6 of chapter 32, I am young and ye are very old, wherefore I was afraid and durst not show you mine opinion. I said, days should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom. You see, there is a sense in which the Lord Jesus, as the ancient of days, should be heard. If he's full of grace and truth He's not a young man He's not just a mere novice He is the wisdom of God personified He's come to teach He's come to reveal He's come to instruct He's come to counsel Remember God said in the Mount of Transfiguration John was there This is my beloved son In whom I'm well pleased Hear ye him Young people the Lord Jesus to be listened to 
He's God's prophet who's come to teach you and tell you the way of salvation. He said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He has come to instruct you how to live out of his book. He's God's priest who offered the sacrifice and makes intercession for transgressors. He fulfills both functions. They are both fulfilled in him. He is God's king. You think of a king. You think of yourself as a subject. What do subjects do? They come and bow down before their king. They acknowledge his sovereignty, his right to rule. They, they realize, I'm the king's subjects, and I only live in the ancient time according to the will and the mind of the king. If the king said, off with his head, what happened? His head was chopped off. Stoned her to death. That's what happened. And you, you think of the Lord Jesus as God's prophet, God's priest, and God's king this morning. And what does the Bible tell us? Well, this is the will of God. Hear ye him. And Henry Gee, we heard on Friday night about the fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And, and in life's journey, young people, your goal and aim ought to be to know him, to, to love him, to, 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 to live for him, to, to serve him. The one with the white hair. Because there's something attractive. There's something appealing about the white hair. And he has the ability to discern correctly. And he is able to teach and lead his children on. He's able to rule, of course, with wise and sound judgment in relation to his church. When the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to be wise, then fear the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? It means to stand and awe of him is to be overcome with, with who he is. The office that he occupies, you're, you're struck by that. And of course, to live in the dread of offending him, because awe of him and dread of him go together. Isaiah 8 and verse 13. Be thou in the fear of the Lord all the days of thy life, and be in the dread of him. See, who are you listening to today? Are you listening to some foolish old professor in the university? who tells you, well, there's no God and the Bible's full of errors and there's no heaven and hell. And, and that's what goes on in university. We need to pray for our young people. Pray that the university, uh, these old professors will be set to the one side and good and godly men, like in the past, in the 18th century, will have an impact upon the generations that they're teaching. Maybe you're listening to a foolish friend, whether at school, maybe in the workplace, and the company you keep has an impact upon you. They're saying, well, go here. And we'll do this together. And we'll do that. And, and you don't want to offend. You don't want to say no. And the fear of man comes. And it brings a snare. And while the Savior would say, don't be afraid of life's circumstances. But remember, it also says, fear him. Fear him that is a part of through both body and soul into hell. I heard years ago from a great preacher. And he said this, that friends will laugh you into hell never laugh you out of it here's the Lord Jesus and the white hair speaks of his sagacity he's full of wisdom and if you want to be wise then listen to him what are you saying to me Lord Jesus open up mine ears so I can hear you maybe that's what you need to do today you need to pray that prayer Lord speak to me Lord teach me Lord grant me this help and wisdom So I not listen to those that are foolish And those that want me to go into the, the, the life of sin Does the white hair not also speak of pardon Here's two similes 
White as wool, as white as snow. Why wool? Why snow? Well, here's the answer. Snow speaks of brilliant pure whiteness. And surely there's nothing as white as the wool of a lamb. This ancient of days is old. He's wise, but he's also pure. You see, the Bible tells us there the hoary head is a crown of glory. If it be found in the way of righteousness. And this whiteness of Christ, this snowy white hair, speaks of his purity, speaks of the holiness of Christ. The Lord Jesus is not only eternal, is not only all wise, but he's, he's wonderfully pure. He never sinned in thought and word and deed. But he's described in the Bible as holy and harmless and undefiled, separate from sinners. And everything he said, everything he thought, everything he did, he did without sin. In fact, the Bible tells us that he did no sin, that he knew no sin. In him was no sin. There's a purity here. It was his by right of who he is. But, but there was a purity here. It was his by the way that he lived. He, he earned eternal righteousness. He lived a perfect sinless life on our behalf so that the righteousness of God could be put to our account. A righteousness that was his own. In fact, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter um, 5 and verse 21, for he, that is God, made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made what? The righteousness of God in him. In fact, the Lord Jesus said, the prince of this world cometh and of nothing in me. He said, which of you convince of me of sin? The father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased three times. Christ was pleasing to the father in everything that he thought, everything that he did, everything that he said. One who's intrinsically holy. One before whom the cherubims and seraphims cry out this morning, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The white hair speaks of his purity. The one who's old and wise and pure. Can I tell you, the white hair also speaks of his victory. Remember Song of Solomon? We've read it. Chapter 5 and verse 11. His hair, his locks are bushy and as black as a raven. I, I believe that the hair of Christ during his lifetime, his earthly life, was as black as a raven. That's significant. The color is... Significant, black as a raven. Raven was a bird, remember, associated with death. Was the Lord Jesus not born to die? Did he not just live for 33 years in this earth and, and then go all the way to Calvary and bleed and die there and offer himself at once and for all sacrifice to God? The Lord Jesus never grew old. The Lord Jesus never became an old man. He died in his youth, in, in the eternality of his youth. And yet whenever he died and, and suffered the wrath of God in the tree and rose again bodily from the dead and ascended to his father, we're now seeing him on his throne in glory and his hair is as white as snow. How did that happen? Will you turn over there to Psalm 24? We re referenced this last week. Psalm 24. Remember the last part of the um, psalm it says in Psalm 24 about the Lord Jesus and we learn there these words, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. 
Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. Now, now think of that. Here's the Lord Jesus on the cross. And he entered into this great and mighty battle. He took on death. And he defeated death by his own death on the cross. Death defeated death. The death of Christ defeated all who are subject to bondage and fear of death. Maybe you fear death this morning. He took on the devil. And he defeated him. He triumphed over the devil by his death of the cross. He he took on sin. And and, and he defeated the power of indwelling sin. He dealt with its penalty. He, He broke its pleasure. He took on hell and eternal judgment. And he defeated them all. The Lord Jesus, by his atoning death and his blood shedding on Mount Calvary, endured the wrath of God. There he was made sin for us. There it was a sin offering, a sin bearer, a perfect sacrifice. And when you gaze on him hanging on the tree, you think of the power of the cross. The Bible tells us that he, he triumphed over them in it over death, over sin, over the hell, over grave, over over eternal judgment. The Lord Jesus conquered all his enemies. And you know what the Bible tells us there in the book of Isaiah? It tells us in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, a, a lovely verse. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Here's God's call this morning. Your sins are scarlet, but they can be white as snow. They're red like crimson. They shall be as wool. How can can that be? Well, through Christ, you can have a full and free and forever pardon. In Christ, you can have a perfect standing before God. In Christ, you're able to say, the Lord our righteousness. Because the white hair speaks of his victory. Can you see that? After he endured the wrath of God in the tree, and was raised from the dead and stood before his father. He was crowned with this lovely snowy white hair as a sign of his victory over all his enemies and ours. And one final thing, the hair speaks of his majesty. See, the Bible, as I've been telling you, teaches respect for the older, white-haired, wise man. And if men who are old and wise and have discernment and help for us and counsel, and they deserve our respect, how does much more the Lord Jesus deserve our reverence and our respect? How much does he deserve our worship? Proverbs says in 1631, the hoary head is a crown of glory. It was given to him as a crown of glory. And you know, we should crown him king of our lives. We should crown him as my Lord and my God. If he's king of kings and Lord of lords, then let's turn our eyes this morning upon the Lord Jesus. Let's see him. Do you see him crowned? The hoary head, a crown of glory. And there he's in his majesty this morning. And we have come to worship him. And as we worship him, what does he want? He wants us to fall down before him. He wants us, as I've said, to know him and to love him and to serve him and to, to, to live for him. Is that your priority? Is that your mindset this morning? I leave this five-fold thought with you. 
What does the white hair mean? The white-haired Christ, his eternality, his sagacity, his wisdom. It speaks of his purity. He is intrinsically holy. It speaks of his victory at Calvary. endured the wrath of God, but it speaks of his majesty. Doesn't the Bible say the crowning day is coming? Revelation. It's tremendous when you think about that. Him crowned with many crowns. All the kingdoms of the world owned by him, literally. Him ruling and reigning in this world during his millennium. I want to tell you this morning. The white hair speaks of his majesty. Oh, that we could see him. And oh, that we would yearn in our heart that he would be my Lord, my God, and my King. The Lord bless you this morning. Thank you for coming.